I want to talk to us today, this morning, about the kingdom of God in action. And we've heard a lot of things about the kingdom from many preachers. And most resort to the kingdom to material things and we tend to gauge God's blessing and God's right in our lives by the things that we possess. But the word of the Lord says through Jesus Christ that a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. The word kingdom means a domain that is ruled by a dominating force. And we're going to deal with, in this kingdom in action, we're going to deal with the nature of the kingdom. And we're also going to believe, deal with the role of the believer in the kingdom. So here we have in Luke 17, 21, it's a familiar scripture that a lot of people just don't seem to get. And that is, is that the kingdom of God is within, it's inside. That's emphatically a fact. That's not something to be debated. It is what it is. This kingdom that's inside of us, Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God 69 times in the Bible. The kingdom of heaven is spoken of 32 times. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, respectively, are spoken of 101 times in the Bible. Where the church is only spoken of 79 times. That's quite a significant difference. Quite significant difference. Why? Acts tells us in 1 verse 3 that Jesus didn't teach his disciples when he was raised from the dead about things of the church, but he taught them on things of the kingdom. He did. The church, as I told you before, is simply an avenue where we enter in into that kingdom of God that's within us. And too many of us have gotten stuck right there at the church, not realizing that we don't go to church, we are the church. That's right. Not realizing that once you stop and put a roadblock up in the avenue, or the street called the church, then you block your way to the kingdom that's inside of you because once your soul gets saved, the true church is the inner sanctuary of your soul, individually as well as collectively. This is a kingdom word. It's not a church word. We, we know enough about church. We need to learn about what's inside of us, the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. we, need to, we need to do that. Especially in these times. And the thing about the kingdom is, the kingdom of God 
is right there with us. We can call on it and we can choose to go in it anytime. We don't have to ask nobody else. It's there. God has put that thing in us. Now, when you deal with the kingdom of God, you deal with what we call the dominating rulership of God's power. But when you deal with the kingdom of heaven, you deal with the domain or the area where God's power is displayed. You see the difference between the two? You've got a ruling power within you called the kingdom of God. But that kingdom of God can only be expressed properly and efficiently within the realm of the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Do I make sense to you? Yeah. You're going to have to think now. You're going to have to think. You need to think about what God is trying to say to us. Now let's look at something. The scripture. Let's look at Matthew 12, 25. I'm going to start there. But before I start reading there, I want to give you a little bit of background. Here are these Pharisees. You know, the word Pharisee in Hebrew means to, or, or in the Greek uh, 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 meaning means to wound and to scatter. That's what, that's those that's got that spirit of religion on them. You know, the ones that love to judge one another. Everything that they see somebody doing, they got a judgment to place on it. They don't never see nothing good. Unless it's done the way they want it done. You know them kind. We all know them kind. They call them church folk. Well, they do. Pharisees. Now, here Jesus is. Here's a man. And this man has got a real problem. 22 through 24. This man, first of all, he got devil in him. And not only that, but he's blind. And not only that, but he's dumb. Three things a devil will do to you. First of all, he'll make you a devil. Second of all, he'll make you blind. Third thing he'll do is he'll make you dumb. In other words, you won't know what to say. And how to say it, and when to say it, about what to say. You know, in other words, old folks say, you keep putting your foot in your mouth. So that's what a devil will do. So Jesus is there, and he cast this devil out of this man. And the man was not only able, once the demon got at him, but he was able to see. And get what happened to us when God cast them demons out of us? We, we, we recovered our sight. And not only that, but we were able to speak properly toward one another. You know, some people don't know how to talk to one another. But God teaches us a new tongue. Not an unknown tongue. That ain't what he said. He said, I'm going to teach you a new tongue. These signs shall follow you. Any man that's found in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, including the way he used to talk. And all things have become new, including a new tongue. A new tongue. He talks differently. Different between an unknown tongue and a new tongue. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Where you won't get mixed up. Because we got a lot of mixed up folk out there. We got a lot of 
mixed up folk out there with this word here. And that's why this word needs to be taught and not hooped and hyped. This word needs to be taught to God's people. Jesus was a teacher. Once we're saved, we need to start being taught so that we can grow up in this thing called the kingdom of God. So here's Jesus. And these Pharisees, they're mumbling because he's doing a good thing. Yeah, good work. And they're mumbling about it. Have you ever tried to do something good and people mumble about it? Well, then that's the same thing these Pharisees was doing. And Jesus knew their thoughts. It's amazing how the Holy Ghost knows the thoughts. And he said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Even the devil knows not to be divided. So what he knows by him knowing that and we not knowing that as the church, what happens is, is that he plays on that with us and keeps us divided. And he literally takes us and places us into what we call religious factions. And one thinks they got it going on and all right, and then you got another denomination over here that thinks they got it, and then you, you got all these things they are called factions. People call them denominations, but they're factions. It's not biblical. Nowhere in the Bible. But we do it. But we do it. And we have a hard time when we are in that understanding what the true word of the kingdom is. See, the kingdom is about unity. It's not about division. It's never been about that. All those things do is bring schism in the body. That's what they do. So Jesus said, the devil knows this, that's why he, he uses that. He said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought into devilation. And every city, we know that word city means every encounter that you have. And every house, we know that this is the house. Not this building, but this building is the house. Let's get it right. Because the kingdom of God is in this house. It says every city encounter or house divided against itself not stand. James puts it like this. James 1.8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's division. Double-minded. Division. There's a wedge there. And it happens to all of us if we're true. I say if we're true. And verse 26 says, And if Satan, if he cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? Matthew 12, verse 27 we're going into. And the word of God also says that and if by Beelzebub, Beelzebub is the Lord of flies, he's the Lord of filth. Good morning. 
How y'all doing? The word of God says that in if by Beelzebub, the Lord of flies or filth, if he cast out devils, look what Jesus said. By whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. See, a lot of people don't know that the Old Testament, they were casting out demons too. You see, that, that's what Jesus was saying there. See, this is what happened. You know, an exorcist ain't nothing but somebody that cast out demons. Y'all know what an exorcist is. You see, if you go over here, dealing with the seven sons of Sceva, over here in Acts 19, 11 through 16. Let's go there, just for a moment. Just want to show you that there were exorcists. Acts 11. Acts 19, I mean, 11 through 16. Acts 19. And when you get there, would you please say amen? And God wrought miracles by the hands of Paul, verse 11, Acts 19. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons. They even made a religion out of that. Yeah, made a religion out of that too. You see? And the disease departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then, look here, certain of the vagabond Jews, these were of the Israelites, Jews, exorcists, they were out casting out demons, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We'll do you by you by Jesus, whom Paul preached. They didn't know Jesus. They only knew Jesus through Paul. But let me tell you something, church. You got to know Jesus through you. You see, because if you're trying to run up on a demon through somebody else's anointing, you're liable to get tore up. And that's exactly what happened here. But the point that I'm trying to make is that they were exorcists. They were, they had cast out demons before. They just ran up on something that was more stronger than what they were able to. They had never ran upon nothing like that before. So there were exorcists in, the, in that day. That's what Jesus was saying over here in Matthew, the 12th chapter, verse 27. He said, if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? He said, therefore, they shall be your judges. See, Jesus knew they were running around Casting out demons. But he also says in verse 28 that, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the church is coming to you. Is that what it says? That ain't what it says. It says what? Kingdom. Somebody say kingdom up in here. This is a kingdom church. Kingdom. If I, by the finger of God, cast out these demons, then know for sure that the kingdom of God come upon you. And where's the kingdom, church? Inside. Amen. That's word, ain't it? Amen. Mm -hmm. That's word. 
When it comes to God's word, church, there is no yeah but. It is what it is, Candy. It is what it is. It's not to be negotiated. When you start negotiating God's word, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to find yourself getting in a whole lot of trouble. And see, that's what the church has done. Leadership in the church has found themselves, well, I don't want to preach this because that might turn some people off. Who cares if it turns some people off? Your job ain't to be popular with the people. Do you not know the scripture? The Bible says, Jesus says, woe to you when they make all manner of good talks about you because they did the same thing to the false prophets that were before you. But blessed to you when you're reviled and persecuted for my name's sake. You know, preaching this thing here. And preaching, preaching it right. This gospel, he said. Not any gospel, but this one. Not the new fad that they got out to tell your neighbor fad. No, this gospel. It was good then, and it's good now. Why? Because the word of God says that he placed his word above all his name. In the beginning was who? The Word. He placed his, his Word even above himself. In the beginning was the Word, he said. And if I be free from that in any way or form or fashion, then I can't be God. That's why I'm powerful enough and I'm anointed enough, the Lord said, to place my word above all of me. Because my word is me. And it'll never fail. Never. It will never fail. We'll fail it. But it won't fail us. 29 says, or else how? Can one enter, he asked the question, into a strong man's house, you know, when you're walking in God, and spoil his goods? How can that be? Except he first bind the strong man. Then will he spoil the house. See, see, before Satan can do anything to us when we're walking strong in God, and he got to put something on us to bind us up. He got to put something on us to bind us up. Then when he binds us up, then he come right on in and take everything we got. He can't get in until he put the handcuffs on. But once those handcuffs are on a strong man, I don't care how strong you are, he'll tell you off. All you can do is sit there and look at him while he's doing it. That's all you can do. Now notice, ain't much you can say. The reason why is that when the devil came, the man became blind and he came dumb too. So ain't nothing you can say but because he got the cuffs on you, he's taking your stuff and he can't let you see and he can't let you, well, you, can, you can see yourself losing it but it's not a conscious sight. See, you in the flow now. Of losing. And it ain't nothing that you can say. 
What can you say? The devil got you blinded. The devil got you dumb. I've been there. I'm guilty. You are too. Don't, don't, don't look at me like, 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 like why you say that? Because it's true. That's why. And you need to look in the mirror and say, it's true, too. And if you do that, then we would spend less time looking at other folk and start looking at our own self. Mm -hmm. Trust me. You got a handful just dealing with you. Reese alone trying to deal with somebody else. Verse 33, Matthew 12, says this. I will make the tree good and what? Hell. Sound like that tree is a man. Hmm. Let's go back to Isaiah 61.3. He says he'll make us trees of righteousness. Plan about the Lord to give glory to him, right? That's what he's talking about here. The tree. We're the tree. Now he said either make his fruit good or make the tree corrupt. One or the other. Ain't no in between. Ain't. Look, people. There is no gray spot with God. It's black and white. Ain't no in the middle. People always talk about, well, you know, that's got some gray shaded areas. Not with God, it doesn't. It's either hell or heaven. That's fact. I don't care what a preacher tell you. It's either hell or heaven. Depending on what's written in the book of your life. You see, if you know anything about Revelation, then the book of Revelation speaks about two books. It's got books. It says, first, the books were open, And then the book. The books with an S is the lifestyle of each and every one of us. That's going to be open first. And see if it lines up with your name, whether your name is written in the book. You read it, Revelation. There are books, and then there's the book. Okay? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about this tree, when we talk about whether it's good or whether it's corrupt, Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 22 and 23 tells us, Matthew 6, verse 22 and 23, it says, the light of the body, talking about whether a tree is good or whether the tree is corrupt. The light of the body is the what? Eye. If therefore thine eye be single, then the whole body shall be full of light. That's a good tree with good fruit. Check your fruit. Amen. Check your fruit. Amen. How do you check your fruit? By checking you. That's right. You the tree. What are you producing? What are you producing? Everybody knows what they're producing. We all do. Everybody knows where the fruit is rotted at on us too. Now we're going to look at ourselves this morning. We're going to do that now. We're going to do that. I'm not going to come in here and teach you God going to do this, God going to do this. Now what God is going to do is God going to see what kind of fruit you got on that tree. Whether it's corrupt or whether it's a good fruit. That's what God going to do. So I'm not going to come up in here and tell you no lies just to make you feel good. No, I'm not going to do that. I, I wouldn't be a good doctor to do that. A doctor is to heal. 
So if I got to cut some things, then hey, look, this here gonna cause surgery. There you go. He says, verse 23, say, but if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of what? Darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? How great? Either the tree going to be good, producing good fruit, or it's going to be corrupt, producing corrupt fruit. There is no gray area on that. Either the fruit is good or the fruit is bad. That's all God sees. That's how he makes his evaluation. See, God don't play games with us like we play games with each other. Just to get each other money, just to have a congregation. It don't make me no difference but two or three of you up in here, you're going to hear the truth. It's been a whole bunch of them come through here, but they couldn't stay. Why? Truth. Because they wanted me to pet them demons in them. I don't pet demons. I cast demons out. But the first ones I got to do is fight the one that's in me. And that's an ongoing job for everybody. Because you got some people to tell you real quick, they don't do no wrong. I don't sin. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. You filled with a bunch of lies too. Cause well, the Bible says if you say you have no sin, you make God a lie. That's words. I'm just telling you what God says about this situation. So let's deal with this nature of the kingdom first. And then we're going to deal with the role that we play in it. First of all, the nature of the kingdom is this. First thing, it's inside of you. Rule number one. Is knowing what you got in. You know why the church is in a situation that it's in today? church has an identity crisis. They don't know what's in them. They got to wait on somebody else to give them a word when they got it all in them. My job through this gospel, I say this gospel, is to teach you what's inside of you. You understand what I'm saying? My job is to get you to become identified with what's in you. My job ain't to keep you dumb where you can always look to me and put me on a pedestal because I'll fail you. See, I don't want you putting that kind of pressure on me. That's too much pressure for me. See, I can't live up to your expectations because you might have that old Pharisee spirit in you. Hello. Lights. You might. Well, you know, so and so. Well, I ain't tell you to put me up there nowhere. You did. I've been telling you the whole time I'm just a man. But when I'm under the anointing, you might need to hear. And I'm under that right now. So the Bible says that the kingdom of God or heaven carries the idea of God coming into the world to assert, assert his power. That's what the kingdom is all about. Is it not written in the Bible 
Thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. So that's what this is all about. He's about asserting his power and glory and righteousness against Satan's domain and the present course of this world that we're in. It's more than just the salvation or the church. It is God expressing himself powerfully in all his work. That's what the kingdom is. See, being born again, salvation, that's kindergarten. That's the first step. Because unless a man is born again, he can't even see. See, in other words, salvation is supposed to give you the vision of what's inside of you. That's what salvation is. Let's read the book, John. Book of John. Unless a man is born again, he can't even see. You got to have vision to see what's in you. And the only way that you can have that is that you got to get saved first. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. John says, one twelve, as many as received him or believed on his name, they were given the power to become, not to be, but to become. That's a process. That's what that is. See, you don't get saved and say you've arrived. Oh, God. You just obey him. This thing is, you got to walk this thing out. He that endure to the end shall be saved. You got to walk this thing. And there's going to be some head beating and head butting along the way, but you got to go anyway. Well, even when you don't want to go, you got to go. I mean, let's just be real about this thing now. Let's not play. Let's not play church. Let's just be real. You know? And whosoever will, let them come. And whosoever won't, that's fine. But the ones that will, let's get it right. Let's get the real word so that the real word will teach us the way. And in time, we'll get better. You know why we'll get better? Because the real world will teach you not to judge one another, but to love one another. And that alone will allow us to be able to confess our sins and our faults with each other so that we might be healed. That's the word. That's the word. Just giving you the word. So the kingdom is primarily an assertion of God's power in action. Mm-hmm. We must not conceive of this power as material or political, but as spiritual. You know what the problem is with leadership, with mainstream religion? They are more political and material. They preach more material and political. This, this pulpit is not designed to push political and material values. This pulpit is designed to push and to preach spiritual values, things that are eternal. This is an eternal word. This is a spiritual word. God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Those that worship him. So if we're wasting our time with political and material views, then we're missing the point. We're missing it. 
The kingdom is not a religious, political theocracy. Uh-uh. Y'all remember the whore of Babylon? Where was she sitting? Where was the false church sitting? On that political structure. She was riding it, wasn't she? That's what it's talking about here. That ain't what the kingdom is about. But that's what this false church, mainstream religion, that's what it's done now. It's done came in cahoots. So now you've got the world. If you want to see the world in the church, in action, I don't know how many of y'all know about the Word Channel. Go to the Word Channel and you'll get a feel of how that thing done mixed in and how the church has brought the world into the place of it. And you see, it's so death-defying and it looks so real until if you're not spiritually discerning, you'll be fooled by it. But the Bible said, come out of Babylon. You're supposed to be able to spot that. Just, just. You don't do the hoochie-coo in church and call it God. The money changes. We already done talked about it. What's the difference in selling doves and goats and selling predominantly books and CDs and all? It's the same thing. You're changing money. What's the difference? You see any difference, Pastor? What's the difference? In, in selling a goat and a dove, and every time you turn around, I got this book to sell you, I got that CD to sell you. How, what's the difference, church? Ain't changing money, changing money. Anytime that thing becomes dominant, you can find all kinds of reasons to do it, but is it right? The ones that were selling the goats and stuff, they had reasons too. Because the people was coming to Jerusalem and we needed to have these things here to sell. So you see, well, we need the money to run the ministry. Yeah, we know we need money to run the ministry, but we can't compromise now. Oh, I'm, I'm just, I know it's tough. Because some of y'all like that old word of But I'm here to tell you about it. I'm here to tell you about it. I'm here to tell you about it. Watch it close. They always got something to say. That's a money changer. We run ministry all over the world. I know it takes money to do it. But I also know that God will provide. If you trust in it. The Bible said buy with no money. See, if you reach the level of the kingdom, then you can call those things out that aren't as though they were. Romans 4.17. Uh-huh. If you reach that level. But until you reach that level, see, you're going to always have to depend on what you can sell somebody so that you can get the money that you need to so-called run your ministry and sit on your $23,000 gold rim toilets. Oh, let's just tell it, huh? Let's just tell it. Let's just preach it. Let's just preach it. Having poor folk buy you shady bins and all that. Let's just tell it. If we're going to tell it, let's tell it. Got poor folk grasping at something at a false hope. 
Instead of grasping at what's real and getting rooted and grounded in what's real, then letting God do it for you. He'll do it, won't he, Eddie? He'll do it. So the word of God here says that the kingdom is not a religious or a political theocracy. It is not a matter of social or political dominion over the kingdom of this world. Let's look at John 18.36 about this political thing and this kingdom over the world and all of this. John 18.36. John 18.36, talking about this kingdom which is not a matter of social or political domain over the kingdoms of this world. The word of God says in John 18 verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom mm, is not of this what? So why are we preaching on worldly stuff then? If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight if it was of this world? That I should not be delivered to the Jews. But, but he gives them a revelation here that most people miss. He says, but what now is my kingdom not from him? Did you see what Jesus just told Pilate? Pilate means close press. Did you see what Jesus just told Pilate? Jesus just told Pilate, look here Pilate. Because Pilate was talking about how tough he was and what kind of power he had. He said, look here man. He said, my kingdom ain't even of this world. If it was so, my servants, they would fight for me. But he said, let me tell you something, though. But now, is it not from this world? That word now is the key word. That meant that it's going to be mine. It's going to change. He said, but now. He said, it might not be of this world now. But that's going to change. See, most people didn't catch that. Pilate didn't catch it either. But the Holy Ghost caught it in me. And now you got it. See, that gives us comfort. That this thing, no matter how bad it gets, how bleak it gets, it makes no difference. Because the Word of God says, He says, my kingdom is not of this world. But He said, but now is my kingdom not from him. But now. He goes back and he says, yeah, it's not from here. But now. But there's going to come a time when it will be. Right now, I'm just going through the process. Just like Jesus had to go through the process, we're doing the same thing. Going through the process. Take up your cross daily. But now. But until then, the world throughout this age will remain an enemy of God and his people. So you've got to understand that when you're about God and the world and the people don't want to be around you, don't want to hear, that's fine because they're enemies to God. If you don't believe it, you go out there in the mainstream, in the public, and start talking about Jesus. You'll see. Oh no, we can't have that. You talk about everything, but not Jesus. 
No, you go to church. See, see what people want to do, you go to church. If you want to talk about Jesus, you don't talk about it on your job. You heard people say stuff like that? See, they try to push us back in a corner. But Jesus said, if you don't praise me, then these rocks are going to cry out immediately. You understand what I'm saying? So as we back up, and we've been taught this before, as we back up from standing up for what's right with God and speaking up to the public about it, what happens is, is that nature cries out more and more and more. Look how hot it is. You look at all the other things that happen. The earthquakes, the Katrinas, with more coming. But until then, you know, we got to understand that we're going to be remain an enemy of God and His people. The world is. John 15, verse 19. John 15, verse 19 says, If ye were of the world, then the world will love his own. Y'all see it? Let's just see what the Word says. See, we don't need the hype. What we need is the Word of God. And if you see it in the Word, then you can't debate with it. You can't bring your butt. No, ain't no your butt. There it is in the Word. Jesus said, not man, but Jesus. Jesus said that if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world what? So when the world won't like what you got to say, don't worry about it. They hated Jesus first. Don't worry about it. He's telling us, see, we're talking about the nature of the kingdom. One of the things about the nature of the kingdom is that it's going to bring hate from the world. <laughs> Can you handle it? Because God asserts himself with power, the world enters into a crisis mode. God's expression of power fills the devil's empire with alarm. It scares them. That's why the devil wants you to stay in church and not get to the kingdom. Because the kingdom will, he's afraid of it. You know why the devil is afraid of it? Because he was kicked out of that kingdom. He know what's going on there. He was kicked out of that kingdom. He lost his position in that kingdom. So naturally he don't want us to get there. Naturally. He was kicked out of that kingdom. That God placed in us. He knows what's in you. He knows what's in me. So it's his job. Keep us from it. Because. When we. Allow. The authority and the rulership. Of God's anointed kingdom. To reign in the realm. Of the kingdom of heaven. Within us also. Then the devil got to go. That's why he don't want us to understand what it is to be kingdom dwellers. He don't want you to know that. He don't want you to know that. 
So, this reality, the reality of God's power, breaking into the world, involves some things. It involves three things. When the reality, I said, of God's power breaks into the world, into your, let me, into your life, into my life, then certain things happen, three things. Spiritual, thought, spiritual authority over Satan's rule and dominion takes place. We just talked about that. He got to go. The second thing is the power to work miracles and to heal sick shall come about. We've seen him come up off the deathbed. And we didn't have to roll on the floor and do none of that, did we? Amen. All we did was pray. Yes, huh? Amen. Why is it that I'm going to, as high as it is to get these suits clean, why is I going to roll all on the floor? <laughs> when all I've got to do is tell God what I need, minister. Just pray. In faith. Amen. And walk on. That's all Jesus said. Your faith has made you whole. Be it so. As it may. Yes. Now that's power. Amen. When you can just speak that thing like that. Amen. And still go and wear your clothes again. <laughs> and you ain't got to come up here week after week after week on the installment plan of deliverance. Hollering about I need to get delivered again. You got delivered last week. Now here you are back up in here again. Oh Lord. What kind of deliverance you on? What kind of plan you on? You got delivered last week. How many times you gonna crucify Jesus? Huh? How many times? You laid there for a half an hour with a sheet over you? Now you back again. Yeah, it's the truth. It's the truth. You know it is. When all you got to do is enter into the kingdom and speak the word in your life and in mine. Bible says that. And the third thing that the word does is the preaching of the gospel accompanied by conviction with regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's the third thing now that that thing do. It says three things that the reality of God's power will do in this world. It's going to bring spiritual authority over Satan's rule and dominion in our life. It's going to work miracles and heal the sick. And it's going to bring forth a conviction with the regard to sin, Righteousness and judgment. Look at John 16, 8 through 11. The Bible says, Jesus, he says, When he comes, he shall reprove the world of what? Sin. And righteousness and what? Judgment. Sin because of what? They didn't believe him, did they? Righteousness because I go to my father and you're not going to see me no more, right? And judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Three things. I'm going to tell you what God said. Either we're going to believe it or we're not. I don't have to doctor this up. If, it, if I got to doctor it up, then you don't need to eat it. 
I'm going to eat nothing and get a big doctor on me. Because this got a big doctor on it means this sick. And I don't want nobody giving me no sick food. The essential evidence that one is experiencing God's kingdom, listen to me, the essential evidence that a person is experiencing the life of God's kingdom is three things. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Those three things right there. It's very important. See, this is here. It's what's going to stabilize us. You know how you get crazy sometimes inside? Mm-hmm. And if you can just remember that in order for me to experience the kingdom, I got to have joy, peace, and righteousness. Because that's what the kingdom is mm-hmm. in the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Go to 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 6, 13. See, too many of us are stressed out. We stressed out bad. Because we, we can't get to the kingdom. See, we stressed out about everything. We ain't got no money. Well, when you get some money, you don't know what to do it. It ain't like you didn't have no money. Wait a minute. Let's get real up in here. So now we stressed out again, right? So it don't make no difference what God give us, we still. Because we have the mentality of being stressed out. We're lonesome for it. I think I hit somebody. I hear from my mom. <laughs> I, I think I did. And that's good. That's good. That means the word don't only flow to do. First Corinthians six thirteen. Look at the word. It says, meats for the belly, belly and, and meats for the belly, and the belly for meats. But God should do what? He's going to destroy them both. Mm. Now that's something. That God said, I'm going to destroy both of these things. Both of them. Well, I know about fornication, but I want you to look at that. Meat for the belly. Belly for the meat. And in the book of Romans, it tells us about this kingdom. The life of the kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Go over there to Romans 14, verse 17. Do you see it? Talk about the kingdom of God, which is within you. See, how you gonna, how you gonna know? See, see, this is what the church needs to be doing. See, teaching God's people so that when you're going through out there, and everything you want to just Go around, you just explode and everything. You can remember, okay, is this, you know, I can go back to this and I, can, I, I got something I can go back to. Instead of a hooping out a holler. I got something that I can go back to that can root and ground me in Jesus. Look at the word. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. See, some of us, we too caught up on material things. When God say don't take no thought. 
He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you, Matthew 6, 33. He tells us that. But it says here in Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what? Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the same thing I told you over here. So any kind of thing get crazy in your life, see, you've got something you can go back to and say, well, this ain't kingdom here. This is something else. Because, first of all, i got to get back to that place of joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. In other words, I need to get on my knees. And I need to pray. Because right now I'm a little bit perturbed about some things. So either I'm going to continue to be flow, let that river flow me in the way it wants to, or I'm going to change the course of it through prayer. It's my choice. And I guarantee you, though, if you seek that kingdom, you'll find God in it, and it'll change your perspective about your situation. I guarantee you that. But you can't just do that and just think you can just go and do what you want to after you get it to you, you know. Then you're going to act crazy on it. You know how we do. Now, what about the role of the believer? Uh-oh. Now, here's something for us to do. First of all, it is the responsibility of believers to persevere in diligently seeking God's kingdom. First of all, Hebrews uh, 11 verse 6 text tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because whosoever cometh to God must first believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Not casually, but diligently. There's some work in entering into the kingdom. It's easy to come to church. It's difficult to enter into the kingdom. Do you understand me, kingdom dwellers? Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Paul says, Look here, this one thing I know. I don't count myself as being apprehended. In other words, I haven't overcome it. But he said, this one thing I know, I'm forgetting that which is behind me, and I'm pressing towards that which is before me, to win the prize of the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. See, forget the past. Forget that. And forget people and be delivered from people that try to bring you, your past back to you. Because what they're doing is they're trying to immobilize you. Lot's wife. That's why she was turned into a pillar of salt. He said, no, look back. She looked back. We saw the earth. And when she looked back at the past, she became immobilized. And not able to go into her future. Stuck like children. Stuck. Stuck. Because of pain. So don't let nobody bring your pain. No, get away from me. And remind them of their future. Because you know what? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And anybody that goes around accusing people of their pain, ain't nothing but working for the devil. That's a devil worker. Instead of trying to help you get to your future. Oh, I know I'm telling you the truth up in here. I know what I'm doing up in here. I'm trying to break some stuff up in here. Time to turn around, somebody throwing up somebody's past. What about yours? That's right. Won't you throw your own up to you? 
Anybody want to be hearing that? People be try, people trying to go forward. You know what I'm saying? Now, people trying to go forward. Either you're going to help them go forward or just leave them alone. Because it's hard enough as it is without some jacko talking about your past. Lord, deliver me from people who live in the past. Amen. Look at Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter. Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter. I'm going to read verse 10 through 16. I'm going to deal with this. I ain't going to take you long, but there are some very important things here. Because we got to understand this. Deuteronomy 11, I've done a thing on this called changing land. Deuteronomy 11, verse 10 through 16. And, and, and over the last three weeks, it, first God say in the book of Revelation, we preach about come out of Babylon. He said, come. He wants us to come out of one place and go to another. Then we came back with the blessings of Abraham where he told Abraham, get thee out of thy country and go to the place. Now he's telling us again, over here in Deuteronomy, he's still talking about coming out of this place and going to the place that I got for you. See how, for the last three weeks, he come back in a different way to bring the same message of come away from that and get to this. He's trying to tell us something. He's trying to. The Bible says here, verse 10, for the land, why? Why does he want us to come out of there and come over here? He's telling us here, for the land whither thou goest in to possess is not like the land that's in Egypt, which is the world. So first thing we got to understand is that the land of the spirit is different than the land of the world. And if we try, we got to stop trying to bring the world over into the spirit and thinking that it's going to work. It ain't going to work. So he said, I want you to understand this now, that this land that you're going in to possess, it ain't like the land that you came out of in Egypt, where thou, you sowed your own seed in the world, and you watered it with your own foot as a garden of earth. In other words, you did your own thing to make your own thing grow. He said, but now this is different over here. Where are you going? Where you going is different. It said, but the land, whether you go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys and drink of water of the rain of heaven. Those hills represent promotions and uh, 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 Psalms uh, 75 verse, uh, verse 1, I think, or uh, verse 6 or somewhere along in there. Yeah, verse 6, 75 verse 6. It tells us about how promotion comes from the Lord. So see, the land that you're leaving out of and going to is a land that's filled with hills, promotions. And the promotions that come from God. But see, here's the problem. We want to do the promoting. But then I say, let God do it. You do what God say and promotion comes automatically. You don't have to do it. God got his eye on you. The Bible says, if you humble yourself to the Lord, the Lord will lift you up. Amen. So, he didn't say it will just have one hill. He got a bunch of hills. Many promotions. 
And it's got many valleys because valleys here in Hebrew mean breakthrough. That means that them mountains are going to be split. You got a breakthrough. There are many breakthroughs in this spiritual land where God is trying to take us. And drink of water of the rain of heaven. The rain and the water represents blessings. If you go to Ezekiel 36 verse 20, 34 verse 26, you'll see that I'll make them and those that are about by hill a blessing. And the showers shall come in this season and they shall be showers of blessings. So he, he equates blessings with the showers, with the water. And he says it's coming from heaven. Every good and every perfect gift, James, come from above. What is it, James 117, something like that? Come from above. Verse 12 says, a, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. I like this. See, God cares for that land that he's taking us in. For the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even until the end of the year. First Peter 3.12 says, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And he hears the prayer. But it's opposite of those that do wicked. So this land, you can't even get into that land without being righteous. And if you're righteous and you're going into that land, then the eyes of the Lord are continuously over you because it just said that the eyes of the Lord are always over it. Perpetually. In other words, God is always looking out for us. Even when you don't know how you're going to make it, God already knows. Now I'm going to tell you something. Let's just get real. It's some hard times. That's why I don't beat y'all people over here for a few dollars. Can't do that. It's hard time. Serious time. Now, some of these things we call on ourselves. Some of them we do. And some of them we don't. But it don't make no difference. I told y'all before, pain is pain. It don't make no difference how it happens. We are hospital. I told y'all that. We come here to get healed. This is where sick people come. To get healed. Now, a whole man don't need a physician, right? So, if you don't think you're sick, then you're in the wrong place, and you're making God a lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of us got a disease called sin, and it's only the blood of Jesus that can handle it. So this is a hospital. But you know, God has placed a cure inside of us called the kingdom. And that's what the devil don't want us to get to. Because if we ever get there, we'll be cured. I know it's hard time. I know that. I know it's going to get harder. And the harder it gets, the more closer we better stay together. Because, believe it or not, God don't make man submit one way or the other. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Ain't no way around that. God can wait us out. He can wait us out till we get on our deathbed, and we be most miserable. But you know something? 
I don't want to take a chance on thinking that I can play God like that. I don't. And it shall come to pass, verse 13 in Deuteronomy chapter 11, and it shall come to pass if ye shall hearken diligently unto my voice, that word is diligently again, to my commandment, which I commanded you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the reign of your land. Everybody got a blessing. Everybody got a private blessing from the Lord if we do it his way. He said, I will give you the reign of your land in his due season. Not in yours, but his due season. The first rain, uh-huh, remember we talked about that, and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy, which is due to the word of God, the corn, the bread, and thy wine, which is the spirit, and the oil, which is the anointing. And I will send grass, which is truth, which is growth, in thy fields, which is your life, for thy cattle, your affection, and thou, thou mayest eat and be full. God said, I'm going to feed your affection. I'm going to bless your affection with me. But he said, take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived. And turn ye aside, and ye turn aside, and serve other gods, and worship them. You see, that's why we make our mistake right there. God gives us a chance, God gives us a break, and then here we go. We get a little job, we get a little, get a little girl, we get a little, we get a little car, we get a little house, and then we get crazy. We get stupid. We get to, amen, pastor? We get two or three dollars, we get stupid. We get a little weed, we get stupid. We do. Because that stuff sits in vanity in us. That's what it does. I want to take the rings off. See, it puts vanity in you and you don't even realize it. You become vain. You start looking at your glory instead of the glory of God. That's right. Your little nails, you know. Your little toenails. You sit there and wiggle your little toes. Let somebody want somebody. You know what I'm saying? We do this stuff. We do it? We do it. And, I, and, and you know, if you keep it in context, but the thing is, it's so dangerous when we do it to keep it in context. That's the danger part of it. Because we're so susceptible to stuff like this. We always take stuff overboard. We don't know how to just eat a little. We go gluttony, then we get, you see, she was fine in high school, but... Amen. Amen. I rest my case. In Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse, Jesus indicates that the kingdom of heaven is taken hold of by force. We really got to understand this. We really do. Ever since the day of the Daniel Baptist, the kingdom 
of heaven, kingdom of God, has been taken by what? Violence. And the violence take it by force. Ain't that what it says? So you remember where I told you the kingdom was? It's inside. But in order for us to get it, we got to take it violently, don't we? By force. In other words, you just ain't going to, it ain't easy. I'm not, right. You see, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you a lie that all you got to do is say, Lord, save my soul. It's more. It's more to it. It's more to this. Because after he saved your soul, then what? He put you to work. Ooh. Okay, you want me to save you? I'll save you. But you got to suffer too, not you. I'm going to save you, but in the midst, I'm going to put you to work too. Put you to work on what? Getting that kingdom I put in you. Because that thing that's inside of you is like a pearl. And Jesus said in the book of Matthew that, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl. And a goodly pearl. Where a man searches and when he finds it, he pay everything that he got for. Or like a man that finds a treasure and when he finds it, he goes and he buys the whole field just for that treasure. That's what the kingdom of God is like. You see, it's so precious until, first of all, you got to look for it, search it out. And in the midst of searching it out, you got to fight for it. It's a violently fight for it, it's it. You see? Because here's this beautiful treasure, this pearl inside called the kingdom of God. And it's wrapped around all these cutsy vines called the flesh. And you got the flesh that want to do its thing. And it pulls you. It pulls you. It pulls you. So it's like you're walking toward the kingdom that's inside of you, but you got ropes on the back of you that's pulling you. That's the flesh. And it's pulling you, and it's pulling you, and you and you you know it's in there, and you're trying to get to it, and you get a little closer to it, and every once in a while you touch that thing, and it feels so good. But then reality, I say, I say reality. And so you try to, you see the violence that's involved? So you got to take it by force. I'm just giving you understanding on what it is that we're going up against. And while we got to be considerate toward one another, instead of judging one another, we got to be considerate because, man, we're in a dog fight. We're in a dog fight. And you know what Satan wants you to do? This is what Satan wants you to do. Satan wants you to play church and think you're all right. That's what he wants you to do. As long as he got you where you think you just come to church, where you just get hyped up, where you spin around, where you, where you pay a few dollars, you know, and that's as far as you can go and understand about this thing, Satan got you right where he wants you to be. You'll never enter into the kingdom like that. And that's why you got them been going to church for 50 years and they ain't grown a bit. Matter of fact, they got worse. The demon in them got bigger. You know, oak tree gets get strong. See, if you don't deal with that thing early, that thing will get strong, man. Yeah, it'll break you. 
Hey, you crazy. Let's talk about what happened. You let it grow. That's what happened. So when we start being pulled, you know, we got to catch ourselves before we get pulled too far. And start fighting again. You know. And, 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 and I hate, can't tell you a lie. As long as you live, you're going to have to fight. It's Put up your dukes. Put up your dukes. Ain't no race. I wish I could sit here and tell you. But if I did that, I'd be lying. You know? So part of what I'm teaching you to hear today is to have compassion for one another. Understand that in hell we're going through. And when your cupboard get low, and your money get low, and sickness sets in, death sets in, and your house, you ain't got no place to stay. You know all them things that happen to us just in life general. It's not that easy to be about the kingdom during these times. That's why in the multitude of safety, I mean in the multitude of counsel dwell safety. That's why we need each other. So that we can be there to counsel and look out for one another. No man's an island to himself. You just fooling your own self. So you start doing good, now you got it, you take your training wheels off, now you and you go and get hit by a car. Because you don't want nobody helping you. You know. And then by the time you do realize you need some help, yeah, you hit and it and What is it, an uh, ounce of prevention is, prevention is better than a pound of cure or something like that? Yeah, preventative maintenance. Let's do a preemptive strike on this thing. So we got to understand about this kingdom. I'm, I'm closing up. We got to understand that Acts 14.22 tells us, and I know I went a little over today, you know, but Acts 14.22 tells us that we are confirming the souls of the saints. We are to confirm them. They exhort them to continue in the faith. Because through much suffering, we enter into the kingdom. Not the church, but the kingdom. See, it ain't much for you to enter through them doors. But it's a lot. Through much suffering do you enter into this kingdom that we're talking about. Do y'all see the difference of what the true gospel is and what's being preached most of the time? It's not being preached on the level of the kingdom, but it's being preached on the level of the church. They take the word... And see, you can take that word and you can make it sound right, but is it right? You know, is it right? Is it this God? So last but not least is that experiencing the kingdom of heaven with all its blessing requires earnest endeavor and diligent faith. It requires spiritual warfare that includes the will to resist Satan, sin, and often a corrupt society. You see what we're up against? We're up against Satan, we're up against sin, and we're up against a corrupt society that says, hey, it's all right. Everybody's doing it. Come on out the closet. Now you part of them. Because you're thinking like them. And if you're thinking like them, then you're guilty, the Bible says. So we got to be careful of ourselves. We, we, we do have to be careful. 
The kingdom of God is not for those. Listen to me. And this is it. This is the end of it. The kingdom of God is not for those who seldom pray. Did y'all hear that? The kingdom of God. Hello, church. Listen up. The kingdom of God is not for those who seldom pray or who compromise with the world or neglect the word and don't have no spiritual hunger for it. Kingdom of God ain't for you. Ain't no need to be lying to you. Now I'm not saying it can't be for you. It just depends on how you change. But if we're going to get this kingdom, we're going to have to pray. We're going to have to stand up against what's wrong. We're going to have to not neglect the word. And we're going to have to have a hunger for the word. And I rest my case. May God bless y'all. Brenda, come on up and close.